to episode 23 of Digital Digital Get Down. That's so many! This is a very special episode because Taylor Swift's album came out today, Reputation. Holler! November 10th. No, the real reason is we have an amazing guest today. We have another guest. Our second, second ever, guest ever guest. Well, mm-hmm. third guest, second different person. Mm-hmm. We still love you, Jen. Um, Elizabeth, the wonderful Elizabeth is here. Say Hi! Hi! Hello. Unfortunately, she's not here here, like at our kitchen table drinking wine with us. That's okay. But she's like representing New York. Mm-hmm. East Coast. East Coast. So. <laughs> we, I don't know what that was. We are drinking a French wine in honor of um, your heritage, Elizabeth. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it because my French is terrible. Domain something or other. Yeah. It's a and nice I'm- white blend. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I have a Riesling. I was just telling Heather that I forgot about the alcohol portion of this evening, so I just pulled out the bottle of wine that's been in the back of our fridge since I moved here, which was last April, April 2016. Yeah. It's, it's called it's, it's called Kung Fu Girl. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a Riesling. Uh, it's a 2014 vintage Riesling. Well, it's extra uh, aged. Extra so. aged in your fridge. That's how you get the oaky taste. The oaky taste? I don't think that's how it works. All right. So um, Elizabeth is uh, going with our previous guest theme of a fan friend, as you call them, Bennett. Fan friend? A yep. fan friend. Sure. Um, she and I met during the dark days of Glee. Oh, so dark. <laughs> so dark. We met at a Chris Colfer event. <laughs> um, yeah. And then have gone on to do many Glee things together. Now, Heather, you told me that you were uncomfortable recently with Chris Colfer's muscles. Does Elizabeth have a take on this? Did you see his Halloween photo pictures? I mean, like, the last couple years, he's done, like, suspenders with, like, you know, candy out, guns out, or whatever it is. Suns out, guns out. Anyway. Candy's out. (laughs) I was was trying to make a Halloween (laughs) version of that. Anyway, lots of muscles. But I'm, like, not used to him having, being, like, all ripped. It oh no! Wait, he's—it's the R2D2 co- costume that I'm looking at right now. Uh, no, that was a, a man. Keep up. That was years ago. This year was like a fox and a squirrel or something. <laughs> just I literally just woman creatures. Chris Cole for 2017 Halloween, and I got nothing. So oh, the internet is failing you. It was like a fox, and then there was some other sort of woodland creature. Maybe but a they, hound. No, that would have been cute. Mm. No, it was not the hound. Um, Chris Cole for Halloween. Why isn't this coming out? Oh, yeah. It's like all these old costumes. Okay. Sorry for detracting you guys. Let's get yeah, back on. your it. fault. Let's get back yeah, on. Yeah, you brought that. Um, so we also went to see Darren Chris together. How many times? Um. Solo or in collaboration? Bo- both? Wait, yeah, we definitely saw a Star Kid thing. Mm-hmm. And- New York. Yeah, and uh, Darren Chris thing in Boston. Yes, and he picked you up and spun you around, and it was amazing. It was yes, it, it was a life changing experience. Those like fifteen seconds. <laughs> Did um, you have to pay extra for the spin, or that was just the regular backstage pass? Uh, she just got that as a bonus. I didn't get a spin. Yep. Although he did call me gorgeous, so mm, he I did. Heard that mm-hmm. story. Fine. You you have heard <laughs> that story more than once, probably. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna try and do our normal format today. 
Yeah, Elizabeth um, has to sing all the jingles. Though. Yeah, she has to sing all the jingles. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Yes. She's also probably like our only regular listener, so we'll see if anybody else listens and she's on it. This will be a test, yeah. Um, so we're going to start with, do you want to start with good news or bad news? Uh, good news, I think. All right. Good news, bad news. She got good it. News. Bad news. I have absolutely no idea what you're actually going for, so that's my interpretation. <laughs> I think we need to record that and do that every week because that's much better just, than our mumbling. Just generally. sample that, yeah. We'll sample that. Do we have your permission to sample that? Go for it, guys. All right, so I guess I'll start with my good news. Um, I have a couple good newses this week, breaking the rules, even though I'm usually the one that's Gosh, that's Heather. about the rules. Um, I'm going to kick you off the show and just, it's going to be me with guests every week. Oh yeah, and how much planning do you do for it every week? You do the editing, I guess that's the important part. Back to your good news? Yes. Mm. So, I feel like this is going to be long, this podcast. Okay. So, buckle up if you're listening, if anyone besides Elizabeth actually listens. Strap in. Strap in. I was going to say buckle up, strap in. I didn't know which one. Um, so... My first good news is, Elizabeth, I'm sure you saw this, Sebastian Miranda going to see Hamilton on his third birthday, or for his third birthday. Yes, I did see it. Oh my goodness. It was like the cutest thing of all time. Did Who's you see this it? little tyke? Lin-Manuel's little, oh, little got baby. It. Well, he's not gotta, a baby anymore. You explain so, that. I was going to. Just... Who did he go with? A chaperone, I hope. With his parents, <laughs> and he only went for the first act. Okay, then it was bedtime. Yeah. Why well, did take him to a matinee. Maybe it was Come a matinee. On, Maybe he has a nap time. Oh, good lord! Um, but he he was very cute. His reactions were really cute. He was very concerned at one point about people wearing shoes on stage, even though they were supposed to be mm-hmm. indoors. Apparently. Oh yeah, I can <laughs> see how that would be alarming to someone who's been taught to take <laughs> shoes off at all times. Um. So he, the entire meet the guns didn't bug him. It was just the shoes. Yes. Okay. Um. And he's mm-hmm. also convinced that Vanessa Lin-Manuel's wife wrote "Dear Theodosia" and gets really mad when mm-hmm. Lynn tries to mm-hmm. sing it because that's mommy's song. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also very cute. So that was adorable. She should just <laughs> sing for us. Um, what else you got? On a personal note, I'm very excited because the park across the street from where we live mm-hmm. just put up a skating rink, an outdoor skating rink, like a free one. Which ties very well into what we'll be talking later about segment. this week, a later no. segment. Um, but I was <laughs> very excited about that. And but, but you were an award-winning figure skater in Australia. Award winning is a strong, strong You passed word. one exam? I passed a few okay. exams. <laughs> a few of the basic figure skating things, which I'm sure I've forgotten all of them by now, but okay. I'll have to test them out. See if I still have my one jump that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, my main... You know what? Yeah. Oh, I just want to jump in. Um, the ice skating rink at Bryan Park, um, it opened at the beginning of November, and I swear to God, I was there last week with a friend, and they had to actually put up cones because the ice was melting in the middle, and they <laughs> had to be like, please don't skate on this, and now today it is absolutely freezing. It's like literally a week later, but you know, okay, yeah. winter. <laughs> we sent our cold air over there. Yeah, we did. My mom, every time I talk to my mom, that's what she says, oh, we're going to get that in three days. Uh-huh. She like loves saying that about our weather here because <laughs> it Jet comes stream's across. just a magical thing. Yes, yes it is. Is it snowing yet? It was supposed to snow today. Tonight. Well, we're an audio-only podcast, so let's stick to the... Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my main good news mm-hmm. is all of the women that won local elections this week. Yeah. We voted in them? our little election. Well, there was just some really big ones. So 
it, we only had to vote basically for our city council. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one lady that I liked the best, she's she uh, crushed it. She crushed it, Melanie. Yeah, she's a black woman who was really involved in a lot of the aftermath of the Philando Castile stuff and mm-hmm. like um, a mm-hmm. citizen kind of um, what activist. Do you call it? Mm-hmm. Citizen activist, but she like put together a group of citizens right. to like talk about how to go forward from it. Yeah, um, and she was one of the leaders of that, and she won task force. That's the word I was <laughs> looking for. Um, there was. Um, the first black mayor of St. Paul, okay. which is right near us. Mm-hmm. Um, in New Hampshire, the first female mayor of Manchester nice. was this, it was just this week. Um, the New Jersey one for you, Elizabeth, which <laughs> Hoboken. Woo. Yeah. She was amazing. And then like the, oh, Vir- no, the Hoboken was the, the chic, uh, chic. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, but the, the great New Jersey one was actually, I voted for her, which is amazing. I like, didn't pay attention. Like my, my, uh, city in New Jersey that I still vote technically in, mm-hmm. um, is super Republican. So basically it's just like protest at like Democrats down the line. <laughs> yeah. But then like after, I mean, of course it was like, thank God Christie's leaving, but yeah, like finally. that was, that's my good news. It's just like, just <laughs> bye bye Christie. Bye. <laughs> don't, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. Kind of thing. But, um. Yeah, no, uh, this was the, the, what was her name? It was, uh, like, Ashley, Ashley Bennett, yeah. Oh, Um, She was the one who was, uh, she was, uh, racing against this guy who, during the, what was it? Oh, the The Women's Women's March. March. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, I hope they're all home in time to cook dinner. And she was so angered by this that she ran against him, and now she's a freeholder for Atlantic County, that's my home county. Nice. I'm like... That's amazing. Uh, I, but I didn't know anything about this until I like heard the next day. I was like, oh, I voted for her, but I had no idea. <laughs> Sweet. And then like the Virginia trans woman was amazing too. Like she oh won she won against the person who was um put forth the trans bathroom bill Ooh. bullshit. Mm-hmm. So a trans woman beat him for his seat. Nice. So that made me very happy. Like we didn't have that that much to do in our little local our election. Two block <laughs> yeah. suburb. Yes. Um, but I still felt like we made a little bit of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was there were nice. no lines at our polling station. <laughs> well, it was also like two o'clock on a weekday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really heartened because it seems impossible that it's been a year of T word as president well, or I since have his a, election. I have a political connection to my good news. Okay, jump in. That was the end of mine. Um, because, you know, living in Australia caught us on to the Graham Norton yes. brigade because of the Australia-British um, Commonwealth connection. Yes. And now they show it almost, you know, up to date on, what is it, BBC America, I assume? Sure. And so this week was his big sit-down with Hillary. And normally I don't bring up the H word around Heather because she, this podcast could go for hours, let's just say. <laughs> But this episode, that interview was just amazing. It was very odd because she had this broken foot, this broken toe that she yes. came into the interview with. Um, it wasn't the typical Graham Norton thing because she didn't sit on the couch with everybody else. She had a solo couch. Right. But she was so funny and so really relaxed. Open. Yeah, very honest about things. She like swore and everything. It was like, if you had just done this 12 months ago. I know. I mean, I know it's hard to say if she'd only done this and that and this, but... Yeah, but when people talked about robot Hillary and those types of things... Yeah, like, this was the That would have gone that. a long way to... Yeah, like, I know she just out. tried really hard to be, like, the perfect politician as yeah. best as she could, but I think 
you know, people care more if they can relate to her, like her swearing and drinking yeah. wine. And because I'd heard a couple of interviews on like really snobbish podcasts while she, as she was doing this book tour, yeah, you know, to try to sell this book, and she was using the same jokes about Chardonnay and blah blah blah. But and she used those in this interview, but she also seemed a lot more just kind of cool and Candid. off the cuff. Yeah, yeah. Is that your good news? Yeah. You only have one this week? That's it. Wow. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth, your turn. I assume you prepared some newses for us. Uh, well, I already did the one, which was yeah. suck it and <laughs> Republicans in New Jersey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but also, one of my good news is the return of Stranger Things, bringing with it the return mm -hmm. of the Stranger Things kids doing all of the circuits. <laughs> I know. I have not been paying as much attention as I have as I should have, because we haven't actually watched the second oh season goodness. yet, yeah. so <laughs> I'm afraid of spoilers. Really yeah, like, I had to I had to wait at least a couple days before it started, and we didn't finish it until just a couple days ago, but mm. it was really good. But, um, no, there was, uh, Millie did, like, a rap recap of the first <laughs> season, and it was insane. It's insane. She's so good. And then the, <laughs> you probably saw this, which was the, um, the James Corden with all of the boys. Like the Motown thing? The Motown mashup. Yeah, I did see that oh one. Oh my god! Um, that was really, that was really great for me. Um, so yeah, so those, so seeing all those kids, like, adding purity to <laughs> yes. my timelines is like, oh, thank god. Especially on Twitter, where it's just, like, usually it's confusing, because they all, the internet also uncovers, like, especially for Dustin, all these things he's done in his long, short career. Yeah, you were like, so look, like, look, look, Oh my god, he just sang the national anthem at a baseball game. I was like, wait, that's impossible. Oh, it's been three years ago, <laughs> yeah. never mind. Oh. Yeah, you got tricked by some of those. It's okay. Russell is by far the best singer, though, but it's okay. Hmm. Yeah. Um, do you want to jump into your bad news since you're on a roll? Me? Yes. Okay. Um, what is my bad news? Uh look at a different thing oh my first thing is like a mixture of good and bad news which okay. is that fence is almost out and yes. that's the <clears throat> the comic that c.s picot is putting out um with joanna the mad and i'm super into it and i've pre-ordered like every single variant cover and the <laughs> first one and then like at the last minute she, they announced a third like exclusive variant cover which means that I will have to pre-order this thing four times. It is like a 12-page comic. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and I was a, like, whatever, a, I've already put in all this money, so I'll just you get gotta commit to it. Just commit. I know. Here's the thing, though. This is a quote-unquote exclusive variant mm. cover, so it is $13 plus shipping for, like, the same 12 pages that I will be getting another three times. Yes. Um, and I think, like, in total, because I, I got it as, like, a deal off of um, Things from Another World, so all of the other ones were like about like three dollars and twelve cents. So yeah. literally, this one is is like going to be going to cost me the same as every other one. <laughs> I've been having a like... struggle because this is not related to fences. We'll come back to that. But the Taylor Swift album that I kind of joked about at the beginning, she has two different like magazines. Instead of having this a bonus song this time with like if you buy it through Target, there's like these magazines with extra shit in yeah, them. Yeah, I thought you accidentally bought a 45 record the way it came shipped. No, it's like a magazine and then there's like a fold out of the CD inside it. But there's two volumes of the magazine, but each of them contain the CD. I only need the CD once. Like if there's meant to buy part one and part two of the magazine, why is there a CD in both of them? I don't want to pay for the CD two times. I just want the extra Do you remember enhanced CDs from when we were young? No. You would pop in the CD into the computer and like it would open an interactive oh, experience yes. where oh. you'd like see concert footage and these really bad videos and things. Yes, I do actually remember that. 
Um, getting back to these comics, yes. is this a product of Australia? Is this only printed in Australia? And I you're... think it's a U.S. product. Really? Is it, Elizabeth? Yeah, uh, it's Boom Studios, which is uh, an American, like, kids brand. Or okay. I wouldn't necessarily okay. say kids, but it's, you know, like, young to, young kids to teens. Okay. Like, they do the, uh, the Adventure Time and the um, uh, Steven Universe comics. Sure, okay. Yeah. So uh, it is U.S., I was right. Okay. So it's Good US based. So I pre-ordered it. We talked about this on a previous podcast, but I like mm. shamefully ended up ordering yeah. it from online because You're such I chickened a out. Fake <laughs> comic reader. I absolutely am. I've never read or bought a single comic in my life. So uh, I did order them online. So hopefully they'll just be coming to. Because we doorstep. drove past the store and you saw saw large men indoors, and you said, "I can't walk into that store." <laughs> yeah, it's scary. Every mm. time I've ever been in one, there's just like a variety of large white men playing magic. Prejudice. And I don't yep. know how to mm-hmm. deal with that. No, I think one of, like, the great things about living in New York is that pretty much all of the comic book stores that I know about, everyone else knows about, too. So they're all, like, just weird tourist traps. Oh, okay. So I, like, I like work, like, uh, like literally around the block from Midtown Comics, which is, like, one of the biggest comic yeah. book retailers in the country. Even mm-hmm. I've heard And of that so one. I would just wander in there, and it was a bunch of, you know, like, kids with weird accents being really <laughs> happy to see all these, uh, you know, Marvel toys and Funkos like everywhere as far as the eye can see. Right. <laughs> nice. That's a bit more uh, fun to walk into than our weird local one. Anyway, I know I'm ashamed. Moving on. It's okay. Oh my goodness. I do have one other bad news. Go though. for it. Go for it. It's um when I went to go see Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Uh, which was great. That Wait. was what I would have said good news, but it doesn't matter. I'm sure you guys are going to do a podcast on it. So we are. We saw it the other day, and um, (laughs) it was delightful. And I am now in love with Taika Waititi. So I know. Oh my god, I know. Um, But one of the trailers beforehand was for another Chris Hemsworth movie that's coming out. It's called Twelve Strong. Oh, we missed it because we walked in late. Oh yeah, we got there Mm -hmm. a little bit late. I'm not sure. Should I save this for the uh, the things I'm look, not looking forward to? <laughs> <laughs> you can go for it now. <laughs> okay, no, it's called Twelve Strong, and the this undertitle is the declassified true story of the horse soldiers, and it's about like one of like the first twelve people to like uh, join the the army after September 11th, and how they were not properly equipped, so they all like rode horses and like went against Al Qaeda, huh. and it's just like such an amazingly like tone-deaf propaganda movie yeah. for, like, American, like, involvement in the Middle East. And I was just like, can you, like, and then, like, having seen the movie afterward, I was like, can you believe that they would put this before Thor Ragnarok? <laughs> yeah. That's Thor ridiculous. Ragnarok. I had <laughs> not seen that. It's movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, uh, that that is very tone-deaf. I did not see that, but it goes along with my rant from the other week about how everything lately seems to be this huge, like, war soldier propaganda push like all the network tv shows and everything are all like seal team Mm. six and uh what's the one they keep advertising for the cw it's like valor yeah yeah, yeah. it just says it across the screen in a big and you still can't name a war movie three weeks later (laughs) i can name some i just haven't seen them (laughs) that's okay i don't have a favorite one because i don't like war movies none of them are my favorite the only the only war movie i like is the only war movie i like is charlotte gray Hmm. I've never even heard of that. Is it about a lady? It is about a lady. It's about a lady spy who is in France during World War II. Well, maybe I would like that one. You laughed at me for saying Wonder Woman was my favorite war movie. Yeah. So maybe I just like war movies about women and there aren't any of them. That's fine. Florence Nightingale, I'm sure, has some flicks out there. Um, 
I'll do my bad news. Fun. I have a couple little rants. Okay. The first one I've already talked about before, but I'm just going to throw it in there again because there's been an update. So, obviously, I'm very upset about the U.S. with um, environmentalism and climate change at the moment with right. D-Word. Um, they are now the – we are now the mm. only country not to sign the Paris Climate Accord. But we knew that last year. No, no, no. What was the difference? He pulled out. <laughs> yeah. That's doubt. what she said. Mm. Um, the So Nicaragua and Syria, neither of them had joined last time. Yeah. So it was the three of us. Nicaragua has recently joined saying, Good well, we think that it should be a lot stronger than this. But if this is all we've got, I guess we'll sign. And Syria, in the midst of like a horrible, ravaging civil war, yeah. has now signed uh-huh. the Paris Climate Agreement. So we are the only one to not sign it. Mm. The holdouts. And this goes along with the new person that for one of the cabinet positions, I forget which one, having to do with the environment, like could not answer a single fucking question about climate change or about basic science. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me like, I just want to throw something. I'm so angry. I can't deal with it. So move to Nicaragua or Syria if you care about... Yes, basically. Syria cares yeah. more about the climate right now than we do. All right. We'll get our visas ready. Um, the other one, I know we've like... Try not to touch too much on this because I'm not sure what and else you can really say about it. Oh, yes, a little yes. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a like, little bit, a little bit of glee in your eyes sexual, yesterday. Sexual assault adjacent, I would say, is yeah. what we're talking about. So center around the Louis C.K., which I have never liked him, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that a lot of people are saying even if you like someone, you can't like deny it just because you don't want it to be true. Which I certainly agree with. I was a little bit upset about the Ed, Ed Westwick. Uh, allegations because I used to be quite a Gossip Girl fan. Hmm. That doesn't mean I don't believe them, but I was just a bit upset to hear them. But Louis C.K., the my bad news, aside from the whole thing, yeah, showing is, his dicks to girls. So Aziz Ansari has the same like manager or agent okay. as Louis C.K. Yeah, and someone asked him like today or yesterday, like after yeah. like the story broke officially, right. and he said, "quote I'm not talking about that." Okay. But I'm angry about it because the entire fucking plot of the last two episodes of his fucking TV show were about this. Aziz's was? Yes. Right, having a dick dick friend in the media. Yeah, who then got accused of sexual assault. Yeah. So I'm like, you literally made a whole show about this and about how, like, you shouldn't, like, even if you like the person or, right. or work the, with the person. Silence is just as bad as, yeah. Yeah, silence mm-hmm. is complicit. Like, right. And he mm-hmm. still said, I'm not talking about it. It's like, did you not understand the, your own TV show that you just made? It yeah. just seems like you said before, Elizabeth, tone deaf. Like, mm. hello. Literally the last three, two or three episodes of your TV show that you created is about this. And then when it happens in real life, you just say, I don't, I'm it. not talking about it. Well, you know, what was the, the, real what was bad the point news of your TV here? show? Is that you can't watch Parks and Rec anymore. It's been tainted now. They apologized. I heard that whoever it was, Mike Schur or someone said, yeah. we knew about rumors and we shouldn't have hired him. Is that what they said? Something like that. I have to uh, say, his apology was one of the better apologies I've read. Uh, I'm sure he had it written for probably a few months <laughs> or a few years. years probably. Yeah. But Billy Eichner's funniest comment was the new category at the Oscars is best sexual assault apology. You're seriously going to have to have like an in memorum of careers that yeah. are now over. <laughs> yeah. 
Or if someone put it better on Twitter in memoriam of, of careers that could have been if they weren't sexually assaulted by people in their field. There you go. That's because yeah. mm -hmm. people like to focus on, you know, oh, that poor white kid's uh, swimming career is over because he raped a girl. But it's right. like, what about that girl's education that's over because she can't go back to school because of it? So what do you think back to the, the girls episode with the famous writer who whips his dick out in front of unsuspecting girls? I still girls? think that was one of the best episodes they've done in terms of the the tone and mm -hmm. the... I, I think it was accurate because... Well, yeah, what I'm getting at is what's your take on this sort of rumbling that, oh, everyone in LA knew about this and no one said it because they were waiting for the people to come forward? Yeah, that happens all the time. Because people don't want to in high school, spout rumors. In high school band, I mm. was told oh, by boy. an older an older student, "Don't sit next to so and so on the bus." Oh boy! Because they knew about it. It's like a thing that people know, and they mm -hmm. don't if they don't have any proof, quote unquote, mm -hmm. or if they don't want to like get anyone in trouble, they just kind of pass it around the rumor mill and say, "Oh, just don't you know, don't have a private meeting with that person, or don't sit next to that person on the bus." <sighs> it's a thing, and it starts when you're young. Okay, Elizabeth, what's your stance on sexual assault? <laughs> Con. <laughs> pro, Again? Pro <laughs> oh man. No, I mean that the Louis C.K. thing was just so or Louis C.K. It's just so no, we'll, long we'll coming. Mispronounce his name as as punishment. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I I was I was more interested well, I say interested, but I was I was more uh closely following the whole Kevin Spacey. Right uh thing because i had like heard little bits and pieces you know but that one was more of a listen up guys also i thought that it was interesting because you know it's not like toxic masculinity and <clears throat> the rape culture doesn't just affect women like yeah of course it disproportionately affects women but you know we have to like stand up you know like as a group and say that this kind of culture that we live in is wrong so I thought that it, that was an interesting corollary. And also, I just have never liked Louis C.K., so I was like, mm -hmm. okay. Right? Yeah, he's, okay. Not, he's not funny oh is God. really the central issue. No, but I have, yeah. like, no people that just, def like, loved him, and I don't, I don't, I don't think he's funny. But I love how Kevin Spacey tried to come out, came out as gay at the beginning of this, as if that would mm -hmm. distract from anything yep. else that yes. came afterwards. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just because I was repressing my sexuality, like, <laughs> still sexual assault. Like, that quote from, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like, cool motive, still murder. <laughs> yeah. It's like, cool motive, still sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, like, Terry Crews, we talked about before, speaking of yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, came out about being, um, a, like, sexually assaulted or groped. And, like, James Vanderbeek, wasn't it? Or someone mm. like else like that also said the same thing. Like, you know, young young male actors are often targeted um, almost as much as the, the female actors. Mm. So, yeah, it's not definitely not a one-gender problem, but... Anyway. Okay, my bad news is very, very quick. Okay. Speaking of people <laughs> who are considered geniuses in their genre and I just do not get at all. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Gregory Maguire of Wicked fame. Yeah, the series. I know you despise the Wicked books. Wow, that book. You, you only read the first one, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We have a couple of them on our shelf over there <laughs> if you want to dive in. Burn them in the fireplace. <laughs> um, he's butchering a new... Um, story this year. He's going to go after the Nutcracker, a new book coming out oh, this okay. month. From whose perspective? I don't know, but there's like murder and spies and shit, so... Well, there's yeah, murder in the actual... Yeah, so I guess he's playing off of that, but still, I expect it to be Are terrible. we going to go see the Nutcracker Ballet sometime? He as said long he as it's not his interpretation, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's it? That's it. Alright, I guess we all already covered sexual assault. You can't really go down from there yeah. for bad news. Mm -hmm. Um... 
Do we want to talk about the TV show first, since we were just talking about it? I think it's guest choice. Oh, guest choice. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm fine with either. But I did also just finish rewatching it, so probably right, that one's let's... fresher in all of our minds. Okay, so we are talking about Do the wonderful ice. show. Do some ice. <laughs> I'm not doing drugs. Um, the show Yuri on Ice. This was basically the only good thing about last November for me. Uh-huh. November 2016. Right. Um, I stumbled onto the show because people on Tumblr and Twitter were talking about it. Can I ask a quick question up front? Yes. Are shows like this like just on in Japan as like, is it like a Saturday morning cartoon? Is it like a primetime show? What is it? Okay, so the anime like... Uh, broadcasting schedule in Japan mm. is kind of weird. Like, this particular show, because, like, this is not actually unusual, but it came on at, like, really, really late at night. So okay. it's more it's more like, you know... Cowboy um, Bebop adult or swim, something? Like, yeah, adult, adult swim, swim level kind of thing, gotcha. where it was... It's, like, not expected for, like, little kids to be staying up and watch... Or, like, it's not like a, hello, good morning, kids. It's yeah. time to watch, you know, some skating and... With gay being... tension, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't necessarily, like... I mean, it kind of got looped in with a lot of the more, you know, mature themes. Um, but it's not really unusual for any anime to be to be broadcast at that time of night. It's just sort of like how the it goes when they expect things to, you know, have or not have an audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so okay. anyone who's not familiar with it or has never even heard of it, because it, kind of is, it is a bit niche. And you have to go through illegal means to watch it online. Potentially. No, you can watch it on Crunchyroll for free. Okay. Guys. Guys. <laughs> anyway, um, so it is about figure skating. Mm-hmm. It centers on a Japanese figure skater named Yuri, who has just come off a really terrible season and is trying to decide if he even wants to do skating anymore, if he just wants to retire. He's kind of old, kind of fat at the beginning. He's a bit chubby. That's why they call him the piggy. Um, and he's not, he's not like old, old, but he's old for figure skating. He's like, what, 23? 23, yeah. Um, so, and then all of a sudden, this amazing figure skater um, that's like the top one in the world, actual like legend, comes to decide to coach him. Mm-hmm. And um, just seemingly out of nowhere, um, and it kind of goes from there of his like comeback season, and then you also get introduced to another Yuri, my favorite character, Russian Yuri. Mine too. Oh my god, Yuri Pizetsky. My 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 small son. <laughs> I love him. Um, I have a problem with like angry blondes. What we'll get to that probably with the next <laughs> book as well. Um, so yeah, I discovered it last year and followed it like actually week to week as it was coming out in Japan and then waiting like the next day for it to be available online. And um, it just is one of like the shows that's made me just absolutely like deliriously happy. Like it is just so it makes me feel good about life to watch it. I love watching you watch it. So nice. And you love the theme song. Do you want to give us a sample of the theme song? We're born to make history! Yes. <laughs> yeah, in our house, it's more, it's very seriously, like, singing the singing parts, but then when it gets to the part where the orchestra swells, it's just, like, absolutely the most obnoxious noise you can possibly imagine, which I just attempted and it blew out my microphone, <laughs> so I'll do it again. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so it's an amazing theme song. Best although... 99 cents I've spent on iTunes. Oh, I forgot you bought it. Yeah, it's not on Spotify. Dean Fukujima is very restrictive. Um, I actually like the outro. It's pretty good. Credits. Do 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 do. You only live once. Yeah, that's. I like that one. Although my favorite song from the show is definitely Yuri's Eros. 
mm-hmm. love on Eros or whatever it's called, like the Spanishy flair. That's yeah, that was good. So the music I is good. The mm-hmm. art is good. I was just commenting on this last rewatch how how detailed and crisp the skating scenes are, and then how rigid like the rest of the entire show is. And Heather's saying that's because they have to save money on art in one way or another. <laughs> well, it must be expensive to animate the skating because they do a yeah. really really good job with the skating. So yeah. I feel like that's more of the priority than like people's mouths while they're talking yeah i mean that's true but also so something this is like a a trick that a lot of animators use which is that they do a really good job animating it once and then they just reuse it again and again and again and just change little bits and pieces of it right which you can kind of see especially towards the end and it's not like this show did a lot better with it than other shows i could name like sailor moon the originator of this trope where it's just like the same thing just to fill time like they they change it enough every time to like add emotion to the scene mm-hmm. and you know that you they focus on different parts of it and you see you know the, this part oh he fell in this particular thing and there's always the the running commentary in their heads about what yeah. they're thinking about which is mm-hmm. so great um but yeah, so the, the, they spend all this money to make these really, really great skating scenes, and then they really use them to the fullest, I thought, at least. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I mean, the big question for watching any sort of anime is dub or sub. Mm. Um, so whether you want to do the subtitles, because it's in Japanese, so whether you want the subtitles or whether you want the dubbed version, I generally hate dubbed versions of things. I don't always like the voices they use. Um, I prefer to read the subtitles, but for this rewatch... I thought it was fine. I could not handle the accents. Yeah, that was what I, I heard. I heard the accent and I was like, mm, no, never mind. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, we were kind of rewatching it in a hurry the past few days while we were doing yeah. a couple other things. We were like, well, if we actually want to catch what's going on, we should probably do the dubbed version. Um, I just thought the accents were so over the top. The Russian ones were <laughs> too extreme. Like and Victor's I thought particularly. Yuri's was like not Asian enough. Like he just sounded kind of like a bored, bored American. Yeah, he learned English in Detroit when he well, was right. at school. I'm just saying, but part of what I liked in the first watch of the subbed one was that, you know, his kind of energy and his voice. And I didn't really get that. The, yeah, you know. it came off kind yeah. of flat. Um, in the like American voice, I thought you, yeah, I definitely thought you lost a bit of like the enthusiasm and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and just yeah, the the accents were distracting. JJ's good in any language, though. Ugh, King JJ. Oh god. Mm. Oh. oh my um, god. You want to sing JJ's song? You were singing it earlier. No. <laughs> that one is so dangerous. It gets stuck in that your one, head yeah, so it's bad. Really distracting. Um. So what else can we say about this one? Um. First of all, it also wants to make me, not first of all, we're like 10 minutes into the segment, but it makes me want to skate so bad. That's why I ended up doing figure skating lessons in Australia, because I was like, oh my God, I want to learn how to figure skate. And I cannot, yeah, I cannot, I'm way too old to actually do any real jumps and I'm too scared to hurt myself to do anything actually very dramatic, but um, it does make me really want to skate. So hopefully we can skate sometime thanks to this. Yeah, I think I'm too um, used to the whole skating, I mean, sorry, the whole sports anime where I invest myself entirely in the emotions and I suddenly know way too many things about a sport. And then, it, like, that's it. I have no interest in ever attempting <laughs> any of them. <laughs> well, I feel like it would be different if it was a sport that I, like, knew nothing about or, like, wasn't invested in. But, like, I used to skate a lot. So it kind of just gave me, like, nostalgia to go back and skate. Yeah. I liked yeah. how serious they took, like, um, keeping this to, like, true ice skating rules and things. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't just like, oh, he did a lot of jumps and got the gold. How like, pretty. it was yeah. point-based and 
rankings mm-hmm. and standings and and JJ, oh, I'm so mad about how overscored he was in mm-hmm. the Grand Prix. That's bullshit. Yeah, they should have had a whole episode of calling out a judge, the French judge or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure he was corrupt or something because that was oh, absolute bullshit. He mm-hmm. he made every single jump a fucking single jump in his in his um, short program, yeah. and he still got like 80 something. See, now we're like getting into this. Like, I know nothing about figure skating. <laughs> like, angry about the scoring of a fictional anime figure skater. If you if you read some of the reactions, it's not so much that uh, JJ got a too high score. It's that uh, like Yuri was criminally underscored for his. You know, like he made like one mistake, and suddenly he's like. Ten points like lower a, than his yeah, other he's one. Yeah, like he's in the nineties, and you're like, what the? F-? Like he didn't do anything that bad, and yeah. yet he's like, uh, anyway. So that was the that's the thing that most people said that uh, it's just incredible how low he scored on his his short skate or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. So for the people who don't know what we're talking about, there's a bunch of different characters, and there's a lot of international characters. So the main character Yuri uh, Katsuki is um, Japanese, nope. and then. Victor and the other Yuri are Russian. Yep. And there's a couple other Russian characters. And then you have Pachit, who is yep. adorable, and he's Thai. Uh, my son. <laughs> yes, well, you are Pachit. That's, that's what the internet quiz has told you. Mm-hmm, that's um, true. My favorite thing, I think, is that the American is just, like, this sweet, like, Mexican-American boy. And the Canadian is this huge <laughs> asshole. That's JJ, who we mentioned. He's such, like, a Quebecois, like, French-Canadian-Canadian. And, um... It's just hilarious because I think, like, the international stereotype of Canadians is, like, they're so nice, don't, like, boot about this and so nice. And he was just the biggest dick on the show. Now, what about the uh, the sister lover? Because <laughs> yeah. that part... Mickey and Sarah. The, that's that what Italians. I get, like, most, most intrigued by the show, but also most creeped out at the same time. I don't think it's meant to... Well, I is don't know. It? I don't know. Oh, my God. Mm. Yeah, no. There's... I don't know. There's definitely some sister complex stuff happening, and it's just like, why? Why is this just like? And it, like, it's a very, very big like B plot in a particular episode. And yes. You're like, I don't, I don't understand. And it carries on. Like, I'm sure they just needed something else. I mean, to eventually do they get episodes. to the part where you see how defensive he was of his sister growing up. But it still doesn't quite explain away the. And uh... then he says, "I want to get rings like that," and they're like engagement rings. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a bit too much. Um. So, if anyone is intending to watch this, which I which I doubt, but we are going to get into a little bit of spoilers now. Okay. Um, best episode is best episode, episode ten. Yeah. Mm, yes. Best, oh my god. The, the reveal episode. So we finally get an episode from Victor's point of view, which for most of the season it's from Yuri's point of view, and it's very much um, what do you call it? Unreliable narrator. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's got serious anxiety, and like he kind of undervalues himself quite a lot. So you see everything from his perspective, and he idolizes Victor and, like, doesn't think very much of himself. Episode 10, you get an episode from Victor's point of view with his ridiculous accent. And you find out the huge reveal, which is that all along, Yuri had actually asked Victor to be his coach when he was blackout drunk. And drunk and stupor. And had a dance-off with him. And the end of that episode, the end credits of that episode are, like, the best part of the whole series, which is, like, snapshots and videos of drunken Yuri at the banquet the year before, like, challenging Russian Yuri and Victor to, like, dance-offs and begging Victor to be his coach. 
You yeah. forgot about Chris. The, and Chris with a stripper pole. The stripper pole just randomly shows up in the middle of, like, a gala dinner. <laughs> I'm sure he brought that, like, in his back pocket, just like an yeah, extendable it's one of those stripper ones where, pole. Like, I can just imagine him, like, with his, you know, his sports bag, and he just, like, opens it and, like, it's like a Mary Poppins thing where it just, like, creaks. Like, she's he's, like, pressing, a like, a lever, and, like, yeah. it's, like, <laughs> coming up. And he's, like, like been like, waiting here. 10 years. He's been carrying it around every single day for, like, 10 years, and then he finally gets a chance <laughs> to use it. Um, but it's a little bit, you know, trusting of the audience that they're going to stick with the show and not question, like, the, the seemingly plot hole of the greatest active figure skater quitting uh, his own career to help go coach a mediocre Japanese skater. And the fact that the two of them never discuss it up until episode 10. Well, he also odd. comes up real creepy at the beginning. You're a little bit like, what the fuck is going on Victor with does? Victor? Just yeah. Just strip yeah. out, strip off, get into your uh, your hot bath. Yeah. And then you find out, like, the reason he was being, like, so flirty and stuff with Yuri is that Yuri, like, dry humped him at a mm. banquet. <laughs> yeah. And stri- went on a stripper bowl. Yeah. Was it you, Elizabeth? Was it you that shared that article that was, like... About the logistics of those stripper moves. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, the one where it was a, a woman who was actually, you know, like a, an exotic dancer who was talking about like the feasibility of some of these things. <laughs> and basically, her her takeaway was that they were all like real moves, but that the fact that they were doing them while drunk and uh, half naked and covered in like sticky champagne and presumably like, with not a ton of training. Yeah, do not attempt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do not attempt is the takeaway. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, you didn't remember who won when we just rewatched it. No, I thought, I thought like a dark horse you thought won, Pichit won and they came in second and third. Um, oh God. I would have been fine with that. <laughs> I was really happy that Yuri P. Yurio won Russian Yuri. Yeah. It's still strange how they rush in. It's just like all of a sudden, oh, here are the final standings and it's over. Yeah. It is a bit of a weird pacing. Mm. Because they yeah. make it so dramatic, like, the lead-up to the other ones, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, here's the winners, and then, like, on the podium. Right. Mm-hmm. We just ran out of time. Probably. Yes, but I did. I was happy. I think the biggest thing, though, was, like, it's Victor's fault that Yuri, Japanese Yuri, didn't win. Mm-hmm. Because if he didn't tell Yurio that Yuri was thinking of retiring, <laughs> he wouldn't have gone out there. I'm getting very confused with Yuri versus Yuri, but... Yeah. Um, you have to say Yurio, otherwise it's Yeah, right. so Russian Yuri is Yurio, so um, Yurio got, like, all this extra determination because right. Victor strategically came out and said, like, told him just before his skate that Yuri was thinking of retiring. Yeah, I mean, Japanese Yuri needs to get a real coach and just have Victor as his lover. Like, Victor's not that good of a coach. Yeah. Maybe a good choreographer. Okay, hold on. Oh, boy. Get on my soapbox for one second. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So everybody points out this particular episode where Victor makes a choice because Yuri, Japanese Yuri, is very, very anxious about a particular skate. And Victor is, like, trying to think of a way to snap him out of it. And what he says is, you know, like, the hearts of skaters are very fragile. Maybe he needs to, you know, like, be broken before he can whatever. So he says something very, like, very confrontational to Yuri. He says, you know, if you don't win or if you, like, don't don't meddle or whatever, I'll quit as your coach and I'll take responsibility. And Yuri, like, absolutely, like, flips his switch and is like, 
Uh, he and he, you know, starts crying and he yells at Victor, saying, "I just wanted you to support me. I need you to trust me more than I trust myself." And it's like this very interesting se se scene where, like, Yuri is having this like emotional moment and is kind of being like schooling Victor and how to be a human being, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like everybody's like, "Oh, and Victor's such a bad coach. Like he really doesn't know what he's doing. He's just sort of like going with the flow." But like he thought it through. And he did the thing that he thought would work, and then it did work because Yuri had this like emotional like outburst, and then he went into the skate a lot calmer. So I have this, I have a very like strongly held opinion that Victor is actually quite a good coach. So he's two steps that, ahead in his thinking. Well, it's not even that. It's just that he has very good instincts, and mm -hmm. also like Yuri notices that a lot of uh, a lot of Victor's coaching, like when he's like lecturing him in the kiss and cry, he's like, "Oh, Yakov, uh, who is Victor's coach." Uh, this reminds me a lot of, or he. This reminds me a lot of Victor style with me, and it's like so. Obviously, he's like learned a lot, and he's very, and he's like one of the oldest skaters competitively. He has a lot of experience, and he's like no fool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I kind of feel like he did a really good job with Yuri. Yuri wouldn't have had this amazing comeback season if uh, Victor hadn't have you know like done his like obviously very unconventional. Yeah. <laughs> This is coaching, but like it worked, so I don't see why it would be like, oh, Victor's such a bad coach. I'm so like I I will fight anyone. Victor is the <laughs> best coach. <laughs> so, um, should we rank the characters in this? I, I had on my list either rank the characters or rank the songs or both, huh. <laughs> or just favorite characters and songs maybe around the, the sure. round table. Yeah, here. that might be easiest. Um, so I've already said my favorite song is the Eros, mm -hmm. um, Japanese Yuri's short program song. And my favorite character is definitely Yuri Plitsitsky, Yurio, Russian mm -hmm. Yuri, whatever you want to call him. Um, definitely the intro just gets me going. <laughs> Listening to that in headphones, walking anywhere, that will get you history. geared up. And my favorite character, my favorite characters are the three little girls who know everything <laughs> about ice skating. The Nishigori triplets. Yeah. Yeah. What Axel, Lux, and Loop. Oh. Yes. Can you imagine having, like, such skater nerds for parents that you, like, nickname your children? Possibly <laughs> actually name, but maybe just nickname your three triplets, like, Axel, Lux, and Loop. Like, oh. And yeah. then get married. Uh, get mad at them when they're streaming things at three in the morning. It's like, you literally named yeah. them after figure skating <laughs> jumps. Like, give them a break. And is your is your favorite Victor, judging by your um, recent rant? Me? Oh, no. Hell no. no my, oh, you're Yeah. My small son is my absolute favorite, and it's really funny because uh, I just rewatched it too, and my roommate Marissa was like, "He's so mean." <laughs> but <laughs> I was he like, does he's it, fifteen, he and does he's, it in like an adorable teenage angst yeah. way. He yeah, actually he, loves them. Yeah, and it's really it's really interesting. The more like a lot of the show plays with like what you see at first and how that like creates an expectation of a character, and then somewhere along the way, it totally gets flipped around. Like, with Yurio, you expect him to be this, like, super arrogant, like, really mean-spirited, uh, like, anti-antagonist rival to Yuri, but actually he's, like, a 15-year-old kid who's, like, entering the, the you know, the big like league adult now. division, yeah. And he, he, like, thrives the most on having these, like, healthy rivalries with other characters, like Odebeck and Yuri, <clears throat> the Japanese Yuri. He shared his his Katsudon Perotsky with Yuri. I was gonna yeah, say, once he, he puts a uh, pork cutlet bowl into his national food, that's when you know he has a soul. Yeah. 
Exactly. And his, his whole relationship with his grandpa, you just like you see that he's actually so a kid. And he's like a very annoying and outspent, loud mouthed like kid who's really way too obsessed with tigers and leather, but <laughs> <laughs> But he just doesn't know how to deal with his emotions. Like yeah. every like middle he's basically a middle schooler. Like you have to think of it like he's a middle schooler like competing with college age kids basically. And he just like doesn't know how to express his affection and his opinions in any like respectable way. And he actually is so cute. Yeah. So he's definitely my favorite, too. Uh, my favorite song, uh, I honestly would not be able to tell you. But um, I think it actually... King JJ. Is, is, what, no, actually, it's not. Thank God. <laughs> like, I, it's, it's really not that. But I, you know what I really do love, like, on its own, as its own song, is uh, Chris's, like, super, like, princey, like, extra sex appeal I'm song. You not to. Is he the one that, that comes at the end of his yes. performances? Yes. Okay. That's why they have to show it late at night, right? <laughs> yes, just I for Kristoff, basically. And, uh... and Kristoff Giacometti. What was the thing that Pachit says where he's like, the ice looks wet? <laughs> yes. No, Um. my favorite is it's either Leo or Guang Hong that says, I don't think I'm old enough to watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that song is really good and... I don't. I don't know what it says about me that I'm like trying to separate it from you know this like Chris's super ass. yeah <laughs> like a lot of really lingering shots of yes. Chris's but as he just like wanders around the ice but like that song is actually really good um, but yeah I think second place is definitely History Makers it's mm. a good one uh, but yeah my second place is Victor and then my third place is Yuri and then then is Pichit. But, like, those are my top four, and I would probably have to say all four of them all together as my favorite characters. <laughs> okay, I think we have to cut off the fangirling so we can... Okay, can I just ask two more questions? Sure. Well, one statement. So, season two. Do you know anything about season two that I don't know, Elizabeth? What is going on with season two and a movie? And, like, I, I don't know. I'm under, I'm under the impression there is definitely a movie, and that season two is still sort of like, eh. I, my dream... Until season two comes out, I'm going to hold on to this, is that it's called Yuri on Ice, and there's two Yuris because the second season is going to be about Yuri Plisetsky. I'd be into that. And I don't think that's true, but I'm going to hold on to that hope for a while because otherwise, why would you name them both Yuri? It's called mm -hmm. Yuri on Ice. They're Suspicious. both called Yuri. Why would you not use that to your advantage? And, like, what else are you going to do with Japanese Yuri? Like, I want to know about Yuri Plisetsky. I kind of think it would be funny to have another season where, like, Victor and Yuri are still there because at the end of the season one, Yuri moves to St. Petersburg. Uh, Petersburg to train with Victor, and he's, like, at the <clears throat> the Russian rink or whatever. Yeah. Um, to have them be in the background and, like, all the, like, weird-ass shit that they do in the first season, has it's just, like, going on, and in the meantime, like, a real plot is happening. Yes! That's exactly what I'm picturing, is the two of them just, like, awkwardly canoodling in the background of the rink with Yakov yelling at them, and then, like, Yuri Plisetsky actually, like, having a real plot and trying to, you know, deal with the expectations of, you know, his first year ever in the senior division, he gets, he gets the gold. Like, what, where does he go from there? That would be more interesting to me, other than having just, like, Yuri... Japanese Yuri like being anxious again um so we're obviously like anime especially sports anime noobs like the only other mm. anime we've really watched is Avatar The Last Airbender right. which doesn't even count which doesn't <laughs> count I'm aware it doesn't count but I'm saying that's like the only like equivalent that we've even watched yeah, yeah. um I you do keep... feel like yeah sorry go for it I do 
feel like um, this anime was really well placed in terms of just getting people who had never really been like anime kids like me. I was a total weeaboo as, as a teenager. Um, it's like I watched this and I forced my roommate to watch it, and now my roommate, my roommate and I have watched a bunch of other really great shows that I've always really loved, and she's really getting into it. Um, before she wouldn't even watch it if there wasn't a dub because she's yeah. just like, ugh, subtitles. It's just too hard to concentrate because she's a very, like a two, like a two screen kind of a person. Yeah, I kind of am too. I'm trying to not be, but it's hard. But yeah, so like as as I I, I suggested to her, this worked out really great for us. Uh, as soon as we finished Yuri on Ice, I was like, you know what, we gotta watch Haikyuu, which is a volleyball anime. That That's is the one you keep telling me to watch, and I, I promise I'm gonna watch it sometime. <laughs> That's gonna be my next question about like if what what if if Yuri on Ice is the gateway, what's the next one to watch? Mm-hmm. But I know you've already told me to watch Haikyuu, and I think you sent me the link already. I'll have to watch it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, that's definitely it kind of has the same level of uh, like character building there's like a, obviously a lot more characters yeah and there's not quite as overt as sexual tension <laughs> <laughs> but there are a lot of very strong male bonds and like male friendships that could be read as more uh, and also it has like my favorite character ever who is also like kind of a, sh- a shithead. <laughs> okay, don't tell me. I'm going to see if it ends up being my character, my favorite character too. Yeah. Your biggest takeaway, Ben, was that there mm. was no on-screen kisses really on Yuri and Ice, despite like how pretty overt the homosexual tones were. Yeah, considering that there's stripper scenes, yeah, you'd think you'd get a little... <laughs> yeah, not so much though. There's that one that's like, is it a kiss? Is it not when he like jumps on him after well, yeah, the I mean, it's kind of China Cup? interesting because you don't really quite understand the nature of the relationship. Then there's that whole scene where it's like, did they just get married slash engaged? <laughs> like, I haven't even seen them kiss yet, but yeah. okay. Yeah, it's yeah. a little weird, of a weird gray, gray mm. area. So we'll take a quick second here to do our one and only sponsor, bookdigits.com, B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S.com. Maybe we should do like a user uh, feedback here. Go for it, Elizabeth. Uh, Yeah, I I have been using the site for a while. Uh, I think you told me about it like the year that you created it, and I joined, and it was really fun. And then I was just like, you know what, whatever. Uh, And then this year, I don't know what happened, but I absolutely went insane. And I've been using yes, it religiously. <laughs> I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm, I'm gunning for that red diamond status, which is the highest status. I didn't realize that I was going to be that competitive about it, but yeah. I am extremely competitive about the it. The countdown to the end of the year is on. You got, you got limited time. Yeah, I know. And, and I, I'm like falling, I've fallen behind in my book reading goal, and I'm extremely angry at myself. I'm so far behind in my goal; it's not even funny anymore. And you could win a free raffle. Yep. $15 to Amazon this month, but last month's winner is... Ne- and then you get to be on the podcast is how it works, pretty much. <laughs> we can start doing that. Sure. <laughs> so you can win a raffle just for reading and reviewing books. Um, you can track your reading goal, see how you're doing. You can keep track of your to-read list and how ridiculous it gets. Elizabeth and I both, I think, have mm-hmm. out-of-control to-read list at the moment. Um, and it's just a horrible circle because we just keep recommending each other too many books to read, and it just spirals. So speaking of books... Yes, so... The children love the books! It is almost time to watch Elf. Yeah. Almost. Um, Can I make a a big confession right now? You've never seen Elf? I've never seen Elf. Oh, Oh, we can't be friends anymore. You're off the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. That should be the first question before we have a guest. Have you seen Elf and do you appreciate it for all its glory? Okay, most people have a bad kind of first impression or... um, 
preconception, preconception yeah. about it because of Will Ferrell. Yeah. I don't care if you've never seen or liked a Will Ferrell movie. He is like so in character in this that yeah. it's not even Will Ferrell. No. It's, it's amazing. Else. You live in New York. How have you not seen this? Oh. I don't know. I also went through a weird Zoe Deschanel stage. So like. Right? Yeah. Okay, this is shameful. It took you me mean... years to accept that she was the same person as modern day yeah. brunette Zoe. Um, you need to watch it at your soonest possible chance. When you're um, in a Christmassy mood. When you're in a Christmassy yeah. mood. If you want to wait till after Thanksgiving, that's acceptable. But you need to watch it if you want to continue our friendship because yeah. it's really important to me. I can, I quote it year round. So you that's, need to watch it. That's me with love, actually. Okay, um, yeah, I love actually... My- also. My problem is that, like, my family is, you know, my, my parents are a little bit older, so a lot of our, like, general movies we watch on the holidays are all somewhat older. Like, we're one of those families that watches It's a Wonderful Life every single year on Christmas Eve, and, like, we watch oh, Mary. Christmas. Mary, do you want the mood? <laughs> Mary, throw a lasso around it. Oh, I did feel I did feel like you were like speaking directly to me by like, <laughs> that particular that particular impression like the extended impression I was like wow I'm definitely like feeling like I'm being seen right now on this podcast we're on brand um anyways you need to watch Elf it's my family watches it every year as well so I'm very excited for it to be like a seasonally appropriate Elf season very shortly it's amazing you need to watch it and if you hate it i guess that's fine but well, we said we might talk about elf and love actually on a podcast so if we have a elf virgin that could okay. be a that could be a different angle <laughs> yeah instead of us just quoting it back and forth for half an hour probably wouldn't be great no so we'll keep that thought on hold mm-hmm. um anyways the children what's real book? the books yeah what's our actual book guys <laughs> oh like you don't know the book <laughs> is in other lands by sarah reese brennan and this is a book that wow. I read. Um, it had been recommended to me a few times. Um, a few, also by my close personal friend, C.S. Pacat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fellow ice skater. Fellow ice skater. Um, so it is a fantasy book. Um, and I read it recently. And I said, oh, Elizabeth, maybe you like this one. Maybe you'd like to read it for the podcast. And as far as I can tell, you've just gone off the deep end with it. Yeah. Um, and I forced my wonderful husband here to read it. Yay. Because um, I had it out from the library and we needed a book that we all have read. Um, so from my understanding, we all have very different takes on the book. Well, have you read my hot off the press review yet? I have not. I wanted to save it for the podcast. What grade do you think I gave it? A D. I gave it a B minus. Oh, that's better than I expected. Mm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so going into this, I was thinking that I liked it but didn't like well, that's exactly right. It. So Elizabeth gave it an A, you gave it a B plus, and I gave it a B minus. Yeah, so we've got the whole spread here. Yeah. Are those the only three ratings on uh, book someone, as well? No, someone gave it a C minus. We should Ooh. have Taylor on as well, whoever she is. Okay. I'll have to confront her. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of the middleman here where like I really, really enjoyed it and recommended it to other people, but like had some problems with it. You over here. My, my advice is if you can get through the first 50 pages... Then power on to the end. And then Elizabeth just told me the other day that she like bought the accompanying short story because she just couldn't get enough of it. Okay. <laughs> I bought the accompanying short story. I also went on the uh, Small Beer Press website because I found out that they were selling copies that had been signed. So I now have a hardcover in my possession. It came in literally today. Wow. It's a celebration of our podcast. So I have a signed copy, hardcover. I also have my ebook edition. <laughs> 
and I <laughs> bought the I bought the uh, the short story collection that uh, has a related story in it, which is thirteen dollars. <laughs> I have literally not read anything other than this one short story. <laughs> this escalated very quickly from like a week and a half ago, and I was like. Hey, maybe we can do this book. I think you might like it. And you're like, yeah, I've been meaning to read that. And now you're just like hoarding copies of it and short <laughs> stories and just, you know, off the deep end of it. So I'm glad I could recommend you. We, we seem to do this to each other, like recommend things and then just end up spiraling with them. Like you're the one that forced me to get into the new Star Treks with Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto. And we all mm-hmm. know how that went. So... So do you need me to give, like, the 30-second plot do summary? So we don't get a bit off track here. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much if Harry Potter, seven books of Harry Potter, was condensed into one volume yeah. where Ron was the main character, but a little bit off his rocker. I think Hermione's the main character, but she's a, she's a boy. Because um, he's also books and reading and no, yeah. Hermione is a badass warrior, really. Okay, I like that take on Hermione. Go ahead, continue. Um, so Ron is the main character, but he's like his kookiness is like turned up, like like that scene where he's on that drug. What's that scene? <laughs> Ron on drugs, the love potion. Scene. Yeah, but like for the entire series, <laughs> if he was on that, and so he's bisexual. Harry is gay, and not as lame as Harry in the books. And then Hermione is a badass, but, like, takes things a little bit too seriously, which I think is probably Hermione, pretty yeah. much part of the course. So, yeah. yeah. But also, if Hermione had been raised in a matriarchy that looked down on men. <laughs> yes. That part, too. I, Instead of dentists. I had a lot of reminis- like things that were reminiscent. Harry Potter, I definitely said, like, the trio. Mm-hmm. Um, the main character reminded me most of Edward from Narnia, from the Chronicles of Narnia. I haven't mm, read those yeah. anytime recently, but I yeah. thought that the, the the like school or whatever was more in like the Tortal like uh, genre than it was the Harry Potter battle focused kind of yeah like medieval esque. Yeah. And then I also said like reminded me of Song of Achilles a little bit, which Elizabeth, how have you not read that? Mm. Um, Don't speak to me; it's my secret shame. Well, have and you need to read it sometime. Um, so it reminded me of that because in that book there's like Achilles who's like the golden warrior from the family, whatever, and then there's yeah. like the kind of nerdy Patrocles, which was like yes, Elliot. Yeah. And then I also thought it was a little bit like the magicians. A little bit, yeah. But even like kind of a younger crew. Like a younger version of yeah. magicians. And also Carry On, which you haven't read and I want to do that on the No. I thought it had some kind of like flip tropes kind of tone of Carry On as mm-hmm. well by Rainbow mm-hmm. Rowell. So it reminded me of a lot of things, but it still seemed very unique. Like it was yeah, I really struggled with giving the, the originality score on book digits because, in theory, <laughs> none of it was that original. Like, it was a fantasy kind of setup with yeah, a magic setup. Yeah, trios yeah. and books. But and... I ended up giving it, like, almost uh, the highest score possible. Because it's the original way to put it all together. Yeah. yeah. I love books like that that, like, remind me of things I like from other books but somehow are not, like, yeah. what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, like, derivative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not derivative. Yeah. But it a little bit felt like, not quite a parody, but it sort of felt like a scary movie for fantasy books. A little bit. So a little bit of satirical, yeah. you mean? Yeah. It's fully satirical, yeah. yeah. Um, so I liked it a lot. I read it literally in one sitting. Um, it is very long. It gets a bit draggy, I thought, like three quarters of the How way How many years through. does it cover? Is it only four? Five. 13 through 17, so yeah, like four. Okay. Five. Yeah. 
There's not a lot of chapter breaks. It's just these huge sections of basically one Harry Potter well, book. Well, so I'm per such year. a sucker for that. That's why I read it like straight through, basically, because oh. I'm someone who like when there's a chapter break, I'll like get up and pee or go do something else. And there was like no chapter <laughs> break, so I just kept reading. Um, I do love like a good like ride or die kind of trio, like that idea of just like. I support you unanimously, unanimously all the time, like like the Harry Which Potter trio. Which characters are you saying had each other's backs? The three of them, the three main characters. Are you kidding me? By <laughs> the end, yeah. The whole way through. There's the whole struggle that Luke, who is the sexy gay character, and Elliot, the, the main character. The beautiful, moody, blonde character, Luke. <laughs> um, where they finally confronted at the end of how they've like how Elliot acts like he hates him, but obviously he does not. So I don't think he always had his back. Yes, he did though. Like at the end of the day, like when they went up against the teachers and one like up against the other warriors and stuff, like they supported each other all the time. I'm just saying, if you compare it to the trio of Harry Potter in terms of their um, cohesiveness of Disagree. their friendship, the first book they only become friends with Hermione because they fight a giant troll with her. The That's how you the bond. second book she's petrified. The sixth book. Like, Ron and Hermione are not talking for the majority of it. And the fourth book, Harry and Ron are not talking for the majority of it. Yeah. Wow, Don't even. And it was, isn't there one book where, it's the third book, right, where it's just Harry and Hermione and Ron is avoiding them again for a different reason? Yeah, because Hermione's mad about Scabbers and Crookshanks. Hermione and Ron are mad at each other about their pets. Okay. Sorry I brought that up. You, you did bring that up. That's on you. Okay. So, I like a trio. You know I like a boarding school story yeah so but they don't really even dig into the magic system very much like i kind of love that about the book because i didn't have to actually have to understand any bit about the actual fantasy world like i knew there were trolls and mermaids and stuff but none of it actually mattered yeah you didn't have to like follow along with who had what magic or what no. spells did what or anything like I mean, that i mean there were treaties between different people but i didn't really care and it didn't really matter i also really love when like the kids are better than the than the adults yeah mm, yeah like, there was a lot of Elliot being like, this is stupid. You guys are, like, screwing over these people. I'm going to fix this for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I like that idea as well of, like, listen to the children and, like, the kids being like, fuck that adult bullshit. We're going to do it the proper way. Yeah. And there was a lot of that. So I liked that about it. Um, I'm a little hesitant to ask you what you liked about Elizabeth because we're already <laughs> over an hour. But <laughs> go for it. Jump in. Jump in. Yeah, I mean, my favorite was definitely Elliot and his uh, his narration and the not really unreliableness of it. Um, like his his point of view was so narrow, but uh, in terms of his ambitions and his ideas about being in a magical world, he was so self aware that that sort of brought in a lot of elements that you don't usually see in a portal fantasy where he is just like concerned about being kidnapped <laughs> <laughs> and annoyed that he can't bring his cell phone and it's just like and that, he keeps and, trying to sneak in electronics and they keep blowing up <laughs> yeah and he asks all these questions about like why do you guys know the word jerk but you don't know the word bisexual like it doesn't make any sense yeah. and, and he was that, all, he was very self-aware about like his place in this kind of fantasy world, but he was so not self-aware about uh, his sexuality and like how other people um, acted towards him in once they like kind of hit puberty. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it was a weird kind of duality of him being very self-aware of like, you know, what had crossed over between the borderlands and the, um, whatever you call it, like the fantasy lands, but yet again, having no idea when someone's hitting on him and no idea when someone has a crush on him for four fucking years. 
Yeah, I mean, another great thing about Elliot is that it, he's, like, such an obvious, like, broken orphan trope. Yeah. That... <laughs> like, nobody's and, ever like, loved him, so he doesn't think he deserves love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I swear to God, like, I cried so much in the middle part of the book. Like, you're like, oh, it dragged. And I'm like, I am, like, a broken person who's, like, <laughs> just crying in the middle of the night. I literally stayed up until, I think it was, like, five or six in the morning the, the night that I finished it and I was just like this was a mistake but at the same time like I was literally just like tears on my pillow just like having a lot of feelings at like 3 a.m. like I can't stop <laughs> so I should I should clarify what I mean in drag so uh spoilers ahead if you're wanting to read this I not like the middle middle drag it was like the last like five sixths of the book or something like that like I did get very upset when like Elliot went back and didn't think anyone wanted him and like (laughs) I was very upset about that but I mean like the part when he goes back and like it's like so obvious that Luke is obsessed with him and I I just was getting very impatient for that the two of them to like sort their shit out because Mm -hmm. it was very obvious that Elliot had this kind of deep-seated um subconscious love for Luke and that he'd been, like, repressing it for years. And it was very obvious that Luke oh, right. was getting like we annoyed. Saying, he's, like, such a self-aware character. But, so obviously he could recognize this. But he was just And I, mean, I kind of away. get that yeah. because he, like, didn't have a very good home life and stuff that he didn't really recognize. He didn't think he deserved to be loved. And Luke is, like, this golden hero yeah. that he never thought that he would like him like that. And I get that. But, like after fucking 350 pages and he like didn't even <laughs> one time cross his mind that Luke had a crush oh on him God. I was getting just a little bit impatient it wasn't even like bored necessarily it was more just like I was getting very impatient for it to just get to the point already because it felt like it had been that plot line had been dragged out a lot oh my god yeah um not to such be- a slow burn yeah, well, as I said when Heather first brought that up, and I was, like, really surprised in your book digits review, B-O-O-K-T-I-G, <laughs> uh, but you said, like, the pining was really annoying, and how it was just, like, or it went on too long or whatever, and I was like, oh, man, you should have read, like, so I have been a longtime fan of Sarah Reese Brennan from way back when she used to write Harry Potter fan fiction, wow. and I'm not going to go into the fact that this book rehashes a lot of tropes that she used to talk about in her Harry Potter fiction, uh, fan fiction, uh, I could probably do an entire hour on that alone, <laughs> but it is very interesting the way that she, you, you see the things that she used to write about in her fanfic and the characters that she used to focus on and how she basically um, Rubik's Cubed it into a whole different configuration where you see all these different tropes that she liked, like the questioning character and the... Uh, the shy and but the shy character who actually is like seen as like this great hero, but in terms of his interpersonal relationships, is just kind of stunted. Yeah. <laughs> um. Like and uh, Elliot's character is most closely associated with Sarah's interest in Draco Malfoy. Okay. So um, and the way that she used to c- characterize him in her books was that he was usually good or good adjacent but because of his you know growing up in like a Slytherin household and having you know he loves his dad um and he understands that it's that he's an an evil guy but he like as a Slytherin he's like it doesn't change the fact that I love him and so he comes from this this like background of I have I have a different set of priorities from you and it doesn't make it wrong like you guys are you you Gryffindors are always so focused on like the black and white Mm. Uh, so Elliot really came across as like a slither claw, <laughs> uh, and th- and threw in a lot of that interesting stuff. And I but I kind of think you know this book got kind of slammed, especially when it was still an online story, 
um, saying, oh, it's so much like her fan fiction, like, it's just another fan fiction story, but I think it's more so, like, as I was saying, it's sort of like a Rubik's Cube, where you, you see the things that she liked and how she put that into her fan fiction, but that this book itself is, like, the Rubik's Cube put in the correct colors, like, okay. this is what she actually wanted, mm-hmm. and she was just, like, twisting around the Harry Potter canon to tell the sorts of stories that she really wanted to do in this book, the, that sort of, you know, taking a fantastical world and actually questioning the the morality behind it and forcing us to sort of confront our prejudices and the way that we, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, how we project onto fantasy worlds, this mm-hmm. idea of like, yeah. oh, I can be the hero, or, you know, this is a place where there's an evil that I have to fight and it's everything is a lot clearer, and this book is really just deconstructing that trope from page one until page 300. <laughs> yeah, I, it never felt like fan fiction to me, but when I got to the end of the book and read the acknowledgements, that's when I realized that it, it did have this history as like an online story. That's what I cried the most at was the acknowledgements. <laughs> well, what are the acknowledgements? The no, acknowledgements of this one and of Geekerella. Okay. Which I also read, like, I took both of them out of the library, and I, like, got very emotional about kind of our generation people who grew up with fan fiction and grew up with these um, other series that we all, you know, know and love and have turned it into their own stories and their own careers, and I got really emotional about it. (laughs) Yeah, but it, yeah, so it didn't feel like fan fiction to me, but it did kind of feel like a frantic short story that got just stretched out to 400 pages, (laughs) and I kept being like, okay, the next page I turn, it's like going to settle down into like a normal novelistic kind of pace or something. I was like, nope, it's just going to keep going. I agree with that. Like, we've talked about Captive Prince on this podcast, our very first episode, and that felt like... Uh, more of a fan fiction to me like the the way the writing was and the the plots and things like that this one didn't feel like a fan fiction but i agree it feels like a short story that got very out of hand and it almost was this in between of like obviously it was way too long for a short story Mm -hmm. but could it have been stretched to be an actual trilogy or like Um, quartet i don't know it was kind of this in between of i mean your complaint about how he how they didn't confront the obvious budding relationship until the end of the book can you imagine if that was stretched out to three books over (laughs) three years what you would have done yeah that would have been terrible and there would have been all these like uh cliffhangers at ends of books of like will they or won't they or whatever so i was on the fence until they did a school play which i thought that was really lacking in harry potter they didn't do enough school plays (laughs) at hogwarts which just kind of kind of cuts the tension and there's always good drama, no pun intended, in in a school play, and uh, from like then on, Simon I was versus kind of, the Homo sapien, homo sapien agenda. There, there you was go. A school play plot. So that's what convinced you that it was a good book. That's what kept me going in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Um. So Luke was definitely my favorite character. Moody Blondes is obviously my thing. <laughs> We've discussed <laughs> from Captain Prince and from Yuri on Ice and mm. from. Um, all for the game and from this one. Right. I love myself a moody blonde. Who is your favorite character? My favorite character? Mm-hmm. Um, probably the rest of Luke's family, I guess. I think. Yeah. Elizabeth? Oh, like Rachel and... Yeah. I thought that Rachel was an amazing character. I really liked her. Yeah. She's uh, Luke's mom who's yeah. just like... She is a very, very nice person, but she's sort of just, like, cavalier in her affections, and it's just sort of like, because the whole Sunborn family is, like, the laughing warriors or whatever. She was great, yeah. yeah. No, I, L- Elliot was definitely my ride-or-die character, which is funny because I was, I love Yurio as well, but me, it's, like, small, angry teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or just like, oh, I can't deal with you and your like poorly expressed emotions. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really loved Elliot. But my second favorite was definitely Serene Heart in the Chaos of Battle. Like, <laughs> first one, best name. I know the whole the whole uh, naming uh, nomencl- nomenclature in, in this book for the elves were amazing. Like the fact that it's they they have like a clan and that's Chaos of Battle and then their names are like Serene Heart or Swift Arrows in the Chaos of Battle or so badass. So I was afraid that Serene's jokes about, you know, women being superior to men in their society was going to get old, and it never fucking got old for me. <laughs> Every single time it was hilarious to me about, like, men being the weaker sex and men being more emotional and being more in yeah, tune it, with their... Yeah, it was definitely hilarious, but it was just, like, a complete flip. Like, there was no nuance to it. Like, you could I didn't just care. Re- you could just replace yeah. the word man with woman, and it would have been... Do not care. Yeah. I loved every second of yeah. it. Okay. Did you, did you see that she made a blog post about the whole elf thing, and she was saying how, like, even in writing her blog post, she had a hard time uh, writing... Like, whenever she talked about, you know, like, the, the like, softer sex, she would always just automatically use female uh, pronouns and things, just because it's so ingrained in our... <laughs> Our, society, idea, like yeah. our ideas of society that, that she was like she was literally fighting it every single like sentence that she wrote even when she was just like talking about the actual world that she created yeah but yeah I loved that part I, like the first you know the first couple chapters of that like I thought it was so funny and then I was like mm, that might like get old it did not I loved it no nope, it was great <laughs> it was great um I know you seem to have an issue with young adult books with what? all the sexual content in them you always seem scandalized yeah well I think my issue here is that it started when he was 13 correct yeah and like I I could measure the passage of time but I just kept picturing them all as 13 year olds okay so as it got more and more intense I was just like whoa I just like felt like there was something a little bit off about the romantic twists, and maybe that's because I'm such a Luke stan that I was like, why is he even thinking about these other people? And that was like very offended that he was like kissing other girls and boys and, and whatever. Um, and I didn't really care for I know it was important for his kind of bisexual awakening, but I didn't really care for the plot of the dude in the band from his like mm. the real world. Uh, oh, I kind of could have could have been without, left without that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think that the book overall works best if you see it from like a coming of age narrative right. even like this so people come into it and they think oh you know this is like a portal fantasy or like a satire but like actually it really is just elliot being this like kid who's like really precocious and doesn't know how to handle that to you know coming into his own and realizing his potential and sort of, and the the middle like the part where he like walks out of the his dad's house it was just like i was absolutely just like cheering <laughs> yeah definitely i mean i think Elliot's one of those characters that as a reader and also probably as the people, the characters in the book interacting with him, he, he grows on you to a ridiculous extent. <laughs> like at first you're like, can you please shut, shut up? up? And then as it goes on, you're like, go Elliot, I believe in you. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe how much patience his friends had with him though. I would have punched him in the face long ago. <laughs> would you have though? Maybe not punched him in the face, but not sat with him at lunch, that's for sure. I don't know. I think he kept it interesting. Okay. You're living in a fucking fantasy world. It's interesting enough. I guess. But, like, deep down, he's saved them a bunch of times and, like, is very smart and has a good heart, even if he, like, can't stop his mouth from talking when it shouldn't. (laughs) Okay. Has everyone gotten their feelings out? I'm sure Elizabeth could go for another hour, but... I could, but I'm not going to. I'm done. um, Is there anything pressing that you'd like to add? (laughs) Oh, I did want to say that uh, if you're curious about the original short story, mm-hmm. Mark Reed's actually did uh, Mark Reed's for like the first 17 chapters of did it. He? 
Yeah. Wow. Oh, I also look at that. I did not know that. Heather, you're not on the up and up. Oh, I'm sorry. Those still exist on the internet, so. <laughs> I'll have to look at, look at that finally. Okay. So would you recommend it? Would I recommend it? I stand by my original comment, which is that give the first 50 pages a shot, and if it's giving you a headache and you can't continue, then that's okay, but otherwise try to push through. Elizabeth? I highly recommend, especially to people who, like us, grew up reading a lot of uh, Portal fantasy and coming back to it as, a, as an adult, you you really want to have a character that is self-aware like this, and he will absolutely knock your socks off with how self-aware he is. That's definitely the number one characterization. Um, I would recommend it as well. Um, it is. I would not recommend reading it all in one sitting. Because no. uh, it, it is quite long. It doesn't feel that long. Like It, it goes quickly when you're reading it. But mm-hmm. then you're like, oh my god, I'm still reading this. And it's 300 pages and four hours later. Yeah. So I would definitely, as much as you want to read straight through, try and space it out a little bit. And you'll be able to appreciate the passage of time a little bit more. Um, but I definitely recommend it. Same as you said, like anyone who appreciates a good fantasy and kind of a slight satire of the genre. Um, definitely, definitely worth a read. And worth a read for just such a matter-of-fact bisexual character. Like, there wasn't really that much of him, like, finding himself uh, sexually, identity-wise. Yeah. He was pretty much yeah. like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm bi. And, like, kind of tested it out and it has different relationships. And with men same and as with, uh, like, Simon and the Homo Sapiens, it doesn't get lost in a bully trope where he right. has to fight off all the prejudice. Not that I'm sure it didn't exist, but he's able to worry about more important things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Okay. Do we have Lightning some... round for upcoming things. No, I have sh- lots of upcoming things. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. Uh, I have three. You want to start with your three? Sure. I'll go quick to set the pace. Okay. Star Wars as a live action television I series. I have that. Not only that, there's also going to be another movie trilogy by Rian Johnson, who wrote The Last I think Jedi. It's just mm-hmm. Ryan. But... Ryan? Yeah. Why the fuck is it spelled like that then? It's cool. It's hip. Is it? Oh, God. Um, so they're just going to marvel-ify it, pretty much, right? Where you're yeah. just drowned in it, and it's... We talked about this last, po- last podcast about how, like, all of a sudden every single store has, like, a Harry Potter collection. It's just overdone. Like, I mm. like Star Wars. Like, I literally dress up as Rey for Halloween and have a right. BB-8 pumpkin still setting on sitting on our doorstep. But, but really, the universe was asking for it because it's already expanded in all those books and things before, and now it's just allowed to happen on digital media. Yeah. But is it going to follow the canon of, like, all of the extended universe books and, and comics and, like, the, you know, Clone Wars animated series? Or is it going to follow the canon of the movies? Because they're different as far as I understand. Hmm. And the question is, are they going to have Boba Fett have his own series? Because all the true Star Wars lovers love them some Boba Fett. I don't think so. Because mm. what, I, what I read about the, the new trilogy, at least, the mo- new movie trilogy, is that it's totally separate from, like, the Skywalker mm-hmm. um, part of the universe. Uh, I don't know. Just saying it's going to lose some of its luster. Yeah, probably. Oh, I'm supposed to be talking, um, right? These are Well, related things. to that, did mm. you see there's going to be a Lord of the Rings TV show on Amazon? Okay, it's literally the next one on okay, my list. Okay, I'm sorry. Go for it. <laughs> okay, did you guys know there's going to be potentially a Lord of the Rings <laughs> show on Amazon? I didn't actually click the link, so tell I me, is it a reboot? I the link either. It's not a Hobbit thing, so it's just reimagining the trilogy? I have no idea. I didn't click the link. And based on Amazon's production budgets for Man in the High Castle that I saw, I don't think they're going to be heading out to New Zealand for these. They're going to be photoshopping some mountains, so I don't have high hopes. I just don't understand what it's going to be. There's always there are there's already been like a quality 
Lord of the Rings movie trilogy. There's yep. been the Hobbit trilogy, which should not have been a trilogy Ooh. in the first place. Are they the only way they could kind of do it properly is if they did it as a sim? I can't still can't say it. What Simmerillion? Don't know what that is. Yeah, most yeah. right. The Silmarillion. So I can't do it. See? <laughs> so it's like his extended uh, version where it's Universe. like. Extended universe oh, okay, where he's all right. these different It's a very own extended universe, yeah. He's like his own encyclopedia, basically. Mm-hmm. So if they did, like, kind of like the Man in the High Castle. Fantastic Beasts, um, you're saying. No, no, no. Um, like we were just saying, the um, Electric Sheep one that's like yeah. an anthology of, like, kind of inspired by him. So if they did kind of, like, short story kind of things of these different characters. So basically they're going to let modern people butcher... Uh, Tolkien's work. Potentially. Okay. Potentially. That's really promising. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my last one, I don't think either of you would have picked up on. So NBC, let me just talk this through. NBC okay. is developing a sitcom about people who train employees at Chili's. So it's that CEO, um, secret CEO? What's that, what's that show? Uh, Undercover Boss. Undercover Boss? No. No, this is a sitcom. This is going to be a fictionalized version about people who train line chefs and servers at Chili's. Why? It's an untapped market, I guess. Why Chili's? Why not Chipotle? Well, I could could see like a a real dumb imitation of The Office based in a Chili's, but it's specifically about the training regiment of those Chili employees. And it's like a fictionalized, serialized sitcom? Yep, yep. Okay, I won't watch that. Okay. Um, I finally watched the I, Tonya trailer that you were talking about for like three weeks. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Have you watched it, Elizabeth? The what trailer? I, Tonya, about Tonya Harding, the figure skater. Oh, yeah. No, I have not watched that yet. Um, I was kind of like, whatever about it, and I watched it, and it it blew me away. Yeah. I was really impressed by it. It's got Sebastian Stan as her, like, husband or boyfriend or something. Whatever, And then Margot Robbie as... Robbie, Robbie, whatever, as um, Tanya Harding. <laughs> and it's very, um, it's what I wanted Glow to be. It's very, like, 80s sports family drama. But it also was, like, breaking the fourth wall and talking to the camera. And it had a really weird kind of tone to it that I'm really into. Yep. Okay. So we're going to have to go I mean, watch you, it. You sold, me, you sold me the minute you said the magic words, which were Sebastian, Sebastian Dan. Stan. <laughs> I figured. Winter Soldier. Well, maybe, maybe Yuri on Ice Season 2 will follow a Tanya Harding plot, and one character will end up stabbing the other. No, because it's going to be Yuri Plisatsky that gets stabbed. Mm. But what about Sala and um, whatever the Russian girl's name are? They, were, they were really cute. Mila. Mila, yeah. Hmm? All right. Oksana. Oksana. What else you got? Um, the one that we saw, so we saw this one, we, we went to see the Jane documentary this week. Mm-hmm. And Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall. And the only trailer before it that looked any interesting at all was Lady Bird with uh, Saoirse Ronan. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I saw that too on Twitter. And it's getting really good reviews so far. It looks like mm-hmm. it's kind of a grittier version of, of almost like, um, what's the one I'm thinking of? With yeah. uh, Michael Sarah mm-hmm. Juno. Juno, yeah. It looks kind of like that same kind of like wry, juvenile, coming-of-age tone, mm-hmm. um, minus the teen pregnancy, hopefully. Okay. But Saoirse Ronan looked really good in it. And yes, I did just watch the video on how to say her name, so I said it properly. Right. Good job. I tried really hard. Um, but I really want to see that. It looked really good. Um, and it's getting really good reviews from what I've seen. Um, also, update from mm-hmm. the other week. 
Scam. I talked about Scam. Elizabeth, have you watched Scamming? I know I bugged you about it. I have not. Very bad. Well, so there's going to be an American <laughs> version of it. On Facebook, mm-hmm. yeah. Which I was very upset about. That. I was very upset about the other week because it is being produced by Facebook, which, ugh. Um, But I just saw, like, just this evening, that Julie Andum, who is the original showrunner and, like, director and producer from the Norwegian version, mm-hmm. is also going to be the showrunner and producer for the American version. Okay. So that gives me a slightly more faith in it that she'll hopefully keep kind of the same... <laughs> Values and message and stuff from the original one. And I heard she got Beyonce for the lead. No, she oh, did. Oh, no, that was just liking. Sorry. That was liking. <laughs> um, so <sighs> I have a little bit more interest in the American version of the series now, thanks to that. Because I th- was just a little bit afraid that fucking Mark Zuckerberg was just going to take it and <laughs> run with it. But if. Can the- you imagine Mark Zuckerberg as the actual showrunner? <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine him as the main character casting himself? Do they wear hoodies in the show? Yes, they okay, do. Okay, then that's probably why I picked it up. <laughs> no, he can't be Isaac. Isaac's my favorite. Next. Anyway. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, do you have any, Elizabeth? I feel like I'm monologuing over here. I have I have one. It's very localized, but no. considering I live in New York... <laughs> Uh, right now, on pr- primary stages, they're putting on a play adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, and I saw it uh, already. I saw it when it was at the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival, and it was a riot. Um, if you were ever a fan, first of all, if you're a fan of Jane Austen, go see it, because it's weird and funny, and it's actually a pretty interesting adaptation. Second of all, uh, if you're a fan of a very Potter musical. Yeah, yeah. Go with me here. <laughs> it's a very DIY, like low, uh, low quality kind of staging where characters are playing multiple people and the quick changes are done right in front of you in like a very <laughs> funny way. Uh, like for instance, my favorite character, they played both Mary, uh, the frumpy sister, or the and, cat if you uh, watch the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Yeah, and Mr. Bingley. Um, and the way that they would do the quick change was that as Mary, he had his hair, uh, like straight down, very stringy and like Snape-like. And he played the, he played Mary very, first of all, he, an actor, played Mary, uh, as like a very frumpy, like goth teen. And then he would put his hands in his hair and swoop it back in like a, you know, like a Steve Harrington kind of a... Uh, you Mulan know, like a font kind of thing, yeah, and and he would just suddenly like change into this like absolutely vacant but very sweet character, um, and it's just like things like and there's another scene where they're dancing and because of course there's only half the amount of actors as there are characters they're just dancing like one character is dancing with another character's coat. <laughs> <laughs> That's and very clever. So, it, so it's it's very it's one of those weird like uh, do it yourself kind of productions that is still clever enough that you go along with it and you don't think it's bad in the same sort of vein as like a Harry Potter musical where it's like the cardboard is very visible. Yes. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it kind of adds to the, the charm of it. And I'm taking my friend to see it tomorrow and I, it already got extended. So it's, it's doing very well and I hope nice. people go see it. <laughs> nice. Did you, did you watch the Lizzie Bennett diaries? The YouTube series? Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. how cousin Mary is like the um, goth cousin, and then like Kitty is an actual cat. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we saw a recent theater say, production. Sort of a modernized version of Hamlet that they tried to make as comedic as possible without changing any of the actual lines, yeah. which is pretty challenging to do with a Shakespeare drama. <laughs> Uh, but condoms appeared on stage. I think that got the biggest laugh. Yes. A whole um, ream of condoms. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and just very sardonic tones with a lot of the lines that the I way they were delivered. Which yeah. probably is what Shakespeare intended in the first place, and people yeah. have kind of made it. I would have serious. recommended it for, like, high school students trying to study the play, because reading the, the text in a book, I don't, I think it's very tough to... I was just so distracted by the uh, closed caption. Right, we were in a theater that... that catered to the heart of hearing, so they had the, they had like the every running line. Lines. Yeah. It was very distracting, though, because then I just kept getting distracted by, are the actors saying their lines correctly? And Hamlet has so many lines that he did skip over a few lines a few times, mm. and then I just got so bogged down in like what he was skipping over that I wasn't focusing on the play. Yeah, and then oh, you didn't remember that everyone died at the end. So I had no <laughs> recollection were, yeah. of the ending. I know it was a tragedy, but I had no recollection of like the scene with them all sword fighting and there's poison and they all die. No recollection of that. I'm going to have you watch the movie Hamlet 2 sometime, maybe. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, speaking of closed captioning, uh, there was a recent um, announcement that Broadway is going accessible, Mm -hmm. and they're going to be releasing an app that has um, the closed captioning for any Broadway show, as well as, um, what's it called, descriptive audio? Yeah, when they describe what's happening on stage. yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's going to be run through an app, basically. And I th- well, I know about this because I work for a theater company, and we're yeah. going to be using it, which is great. I'm super excited. But personally, I love closed captioning. I am not hard of hearing, but a lot of times it kind of seems like I might be because I just like <laughs> need to check. Uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to being able to just walk around with subtitles for my entire well, life. You liked it because like with Shakespeare, it's, sometimes it's hard to yeah. understand what they're saying because it's not modern English. So, right, a lot of it is like Yoda talk, and you're like, wait, what order did he, those words just get said in? Yeah, but I just found it very distracting because instead of looking at the actors and looking at the action, I just kept reading mm. <laughs> reading the dialogue. So I saw this animated movie that's coming up that was billed as um, the Mulan of Afghanistan. Go with me here. Go with me. Called The Breadwinner. It was produced by Angelina Jolie. But it's about a girl in Afghanistan whose father gets taken by the Taliban and Mm she uh, disguises herself as a boy so that she's able to like provide for her family and um, like have a degree of freedom that she wouldn't be granted as a girl. Hmm. So it's kind of like a modern version of Mulan in which she lives as a boy because living as a girl has so many disadvantages in uh, Afghan Afghani society. Mm-hmm. Um, so I seemed interested. It sounds very serious when I say it, but it is. It's it, going to get a wide release, or is I'm it? I'm not like sure. I just saw a trailer. I just saw a trailer of it, but it's, it's animated, so it's meant to be like a cartoon kind of. Okay. Um, but you, you should know by now that Mulan is my favorite, my favorite animated movie, yep. favorite Disney movie. So I was interested in that. And I also have a surprise for you, what? husband. Touching me. We don't talk about music very often. Except for every week when you bring up Taylor Swift? Yes. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we don't talk about music She's aside more from just Taylor. Like culturally. Aside relevant. from Taylor. Um, who is oh, a band that you say should be your type of music and not mine? And Elizabeth has gotten me a signed CD of this person. Wait, what? You listen to them and they should be mine? Yes. They should be your type of music. And Elizabeth has gotten me a signed CD of this person because I wasn't able to go to their concert one time. No idea. Elizabeth? I've actually forgotten his name. 
not Theo. Yeah, Theo oh, Katzman. Theo, okay, Theo yeah. Katzman, yes, okay. Um, he's, okay. Going, he's going on tour. Okay. And I bought us tickets today. Oh, that's so a surprise. So hope you want to go. <laughs> coming to Minnesota. <laughs> yes, going on a winter tour, and he is coming to St. Paul. What arena is he selling out? <laughs> <laughs> it's not an arena. It's some bar. Okay. Um, the turf bar or something in St. Paul, which is just like down the street from us. Yeah. Dar- hey, Darren, that's how you release solo albums. That's how it's done, buddy. <laughs> oh my God. Yikes. Oh God. So, oh God. I love how we're all just like, yikes, 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 yikes. Yikes. <laughs> um, so Theo's going on a winter tour, and I, I assume... With Charlene? To, I don't know if she's going to be there. He listed mm-hmm. other people that were going to be there. I don't think she was on there because she's on her, like, her San Fermin um, yeah. thing. Right March, March 8th at the Turf Club? March 8th at the Turf, turf Club. Okay. So I assume it's to promote his um, recent album, and you have the tank top because it didn't fit me. Yep. He'll be in Brooklyn on the 22nd of March. There you go, Elizabeth. All right, I'll have to go. Right around our birthdays. Yeah. Well, my birthday and yours is a little bit after that, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah, that's our little music what are our upcoming parting thing. parting shots? Our parting shots. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to have Elizabeth back on, either for an elf um deconstruction yeah or i said that we should the other books that were on our list that when elizabeth and i were discussing what books was carry on yeah because she was prejudiced against rainbow rowell and has since changed her (laughs) tune a bit from what i understand this is true yeah um and you haven't read carry on no not yet so and i want to reread it because i do have it sitting on the bookshelf so maybe we'll have our uh another version of this in a little while after the holidays maybe and we'll do carry on and something else cool i still think that you should have me back and just do like a full like weird romance novel and just like make bennett read something oh, that I would boy. Read. the mad <laughs> mad scientist alien lobsters what was that not that one. Oh god that is the most amazing okay so this is one of the things that was recommended to me as like a trash romance series that yeah. was you know like a guilty pleasure read and i had no idea going into it the first book is a very straightforward like i say straightforward a uh, like queer historical straightforward but I'm... yeah uh i mean like a lot of what i read is is historical romance but this is like a queer historical romance that was uh like paranormal slash urban fantasy like historical urban fantasy um and the first book was like yeah whatever that's what it was and the second, second book it was like suddenly there are aliens <laughs> <laughs> and then like later on it was like surprise the main character has in his heritage like magic shark people <laughs> just like what's happening i don't understand um yes but, book but, yeah. digits was built around a very open crowdsourced concept <laughs> so we don't we don't discriminate against what people tag as genres and and elizabeth makes full use of that <laughs> yeah, she pushes to the brink of the tags <laughs> we do have final veto power if she gets too too crazy i I mean that's the only one that i've done it for but that's because you honestly like i don't know how to tag it if i don't tag it with mad scientist lobster aliens that was well heather just uses feral children for everything (laughs) feral children is still my favorite tag Hmm. it's a really good tag so do you want to tell the people where they can find you elizabeth if they want more of your um your meta Uh. (laughs) i know i'm not really anywhere right now other than twitter but uh you can find my Oh, over my oeuvre. <laughs> uh, I I do some some pod fix, especially in the Star Trek world, uh, on Ao3 as Epaulets. Uh, I'm also Epaulets on Twitter, and you can find me as Epaulets on Book Digits. That's B O O K. That's right. Dot com. 
Uh, and then the other place where you might find me or you might have seen my work <laughs> is that I uh, was on Genius for quite a while running the uh, Hamilton annotation yeah, project. Um, so I probably have forgotten more about Hamilton than some people will ever know <laughs> about Hamilton, which is not really a brag as so much as it is like a, a shameful confession. Uh, but yeah, if you ever have any questions about any line in Hamilton, I could probably direct you to some interesting, <laughs> some interesting sources on the true histories and the uh, English major babble about that particular line. See, your degree was worth something. It was. It was free, worth that one thing. Free content on Genius.com <laughs> about Hamilton. My Twitter is at Heather324. Yep. If you want to follow my mostly political ranting, but also just occasional excitedness about the snow and you're on ice and whatever else I'm watching. Mm -hmm. And you don't even use... DD Get Down. You gave the wrong Twitter I handle did. last I was giggling week. Last I was too excited. Yeah. At DD Get Down. Not Digital Digital Get Down. Just DD Get Down. Yeah. Um, you can follow us there for all these links, and if you want to see what the hell we were talking about this episode, mm -hmm. uh, or if you have any ideas of things that you would like us to watch and review for the podcast, yeah. to let us know. We got so much fan mail this week, but we don't have so time, much. time to get to it, <laughs> so, so. so... We ran out of time. Yeah, next we're, week. This is about double-length podcasts, so you're welcome. Just cut it. Just cut everything. Edit this one. <laughs> so You never had a guest. I was never here. <laughs> Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for being here. It was definitely. amazing. You were definitely a huge help with our Yuri and I thing in, in other lands. The best remote guest we've had. Ever. For sure. <laughs> best remote guest ever. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we'll have you back sometime. Yeah, I would love to come back. I'm not sure if you would love to have me. But <laughs> we would always love to have you. Next time we're going to fly you out. Subscribe right. and review so that we can afford to uh, fly Elizabeth out for our next episode. <laughs> Well, if you've stuck through this all the way through over an hour, hour and a half of this, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.